Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk to you today and, and uh, minister to you, and I really feel that when I say that, I don't say that lightly. I feel like the Lord is going to speak in the lives and hearts of people today. And I want to simply call it the designated deliverer. The designated deliverer. And one of the problems that we as humans face in life is that we usually operate in the realm of our five senses. We kind of work around and everything moves around our five senses. If we can't taste it, touch it, smell it, hear it, see it, then it's really not there for us in most cases. And we, we feel that way, and rightly so, because that's the way our bodies are set up. And it's for this reason, though, maybe this brings clarity to you, but it's for this reason that we have so much trouble trusting God. We really do. We, we struggle with trusting God because we cannot perceive Him with our five senses. We have a tough time understanding Him in our five senses. And so due to that, we struggle trusting God. And if we could see God, then we feel like maybe we would have the ability to trust Him more. Or if we could hear God or an audible voice from God, more, in, I would be more inclined to put my faith in Him. But because I can't see God or hear Him or touch Him, it's easy for, for me to forget that, that He is near me. Oftentimes, we struggle with the fact of really understanding and knowing that God is near us. When I say Jesus' Spirit is in this room, that's, it, goes, it can go over some folks' head. And I, I don't mean that in a condescending way, but because we don't feel like we can touch or maybe see or feel or smell or and he doesn't meet our five senses and so it's easy for me to forget that in any kind of dilemma that I am in that he is my designated deliverer and it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that also and that he is there to work on my behalf and the set, one of the other problems that we struggle with is not only can we not touch him or perceive him in our five senses, but the second problem is that we can see our problems. We can perceive our problems. We can touch, smell, see, taste, whatever it be. And they begin to occupy our days and they dominate our thoughts and they plunder our peace of mind and they are ever before us mocking us the dilemma mocking us and it sounds to me like a story that I know in the Bible where just like Goliath Goliath hollering at the children of Israel and he is greeting the Israelites and the armies of Israel every morning when they wake up he is greeting them 
in the morning, but it's not a kind greeting. And his challenges kind of echo across the valley of despair or the valley of their life. And they hear him on a daily basis roar out. And day after day, it's kind of what our problems, our dilemmas, our situations do to us. They belittle us. They put us down. They, they make us shake in our boots as the children of Israel did in theirs. And they remind us that we're not in control, but something else is. And it's messing with, up with our destiny. And we are at the mercy of the whim of our dilemma and the problem and the struggle that we face. And when most of us look into our valley, we do exactly what the children of Israel do. When we look into our valley, we forget that standing behind our problem is a deliverer who is well able to take care of everything. He's able to do that. But greater than my problem that we face and, and bigger than any mountain that we have to climb and stronger than any enemy that comes against us, my deliverer, my designated deliverer in my life is always bigger and greater than what I'm up against. Can I get a witness here today? And so I, I say to you today in the early points of this message, I say to you today, stop looking at the problem and get your eyes up and look at the problem solver, the designated deliverer. Get your eyes out of the valley and look to the hills. Psalms 121 and verse 1 says this, I look to the hills, I lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh mine help. And I didn't put this on screen because my help cometh from the Lord, Lord. There's a deliverer, there's a designated deliverer that's there for me to help me in my struggle. 2 Samuel 22 and 2 says this, says the Lord is my rock and my deliverer. Psalms 40 and 17 says this, thou art my help and my deliverer, the deliverer, the deliverer. So I take you to a story that I mentioned to you just a second ago, and it's, it's one of our favorite stories that we, that we look into when we're young and Parkway kids, and they begin to start teaching this uh, as you're growing up, and that is the great story of David and Goliath. And it's just one of those incredible stories that we reference quite a bit when we're preaching. And David is coming to the battleground to bring food to his brothers, and by the time that he arrives on, 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 on scene, Goliath is already stepping out into the valley and doing what he's done for the last 40 days. He steps into the valley and here comes David and he's just skipping his way down to see his brothers and, and he's got a lunchbox in his hand. Dad's already sent him with a lunch for his brothers and he's excited about seeing his bros and, he, and he's marching down there excited and all of a sudden he's got this, this image of his brothers as heroes and they're out fighting for our country and, and he gets there and they're like hiding behind trees and in trees and, and they're scared out to death and shaking in their boots and, and David's like, what is going on? What are you doing? What? I don't understand this. What's going on? And they, and they said, oh, oh little, little, just hold on a minute. You're going to hear. We've been like this for 40 days. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the call comes out 
from the valley, from the giant of a man that says, send me a man. Send me a man. And man, everybody starts shaking and David's like, what in the world? They could never get around his threats. They could never get around his size. Their senses were on overload and they, they could never get around the booming voice that they heard in their ears and they couldn't bring themselves to believe the promise of God that he was going to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. They couldn't get, a, they couldn't get their senses wrapped around that. And so they do exactly what they, we do. They begin to be overwhelmed by fear and Fear begins to immobilize and, and, and destroy and paralyze our, our faith and, and, and we begin to lose our prayer and lose our connection and lose our faith and lose our hope and somewhere focus is stopped and hope is stopped and faith is stopped and courage is stopped and we're left there in the struggle dealing with the five senses that the dilemma has brought us to. And so, all of a sudden, David looks and says, are you kidding me? And this Keating, Keating verbiage, but are you, are you kidding me? You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that you are not listening and depending upon the God of the Israelites? Are you, what? Has he, did you forget? Did you forget David, I want to tell you something that David never did, and, he, and he's about probably a 17-year-old kid, but he did something that is very unique to me all through it. And when we, refer, when we refer to Goliath, we always talk about he's a giant, and the Word of God talks about that. He even gives us and descriptions of how si- what his size is, how big he is, and how, how big his, 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 his armor is, and it's huge, and his sword, and all these. We see all these huge, huge images of a Goliath and a giant. But I want you to notice something about David. David never refers to him as a giant. I, I, you got to love that. David says, wait a minute. I, I, I know he's big. I get that. But, but do you understand the size of your deliverer? Do you understand the size of the designated deliverer of the Israelites? You are leaning on your own senses. And you are not trusting in the God of glory that has brought us here for such a time as this. You can stop with a problem, but I'm going to proceed to the problem solver. I am not going to get focused on the voice in the valley. I'm going to get focused on the God of the valley. The one that took his finger and formed the valley. That's the one that I'm listening to. You're listening to the voice that's screaming to you in the midst of your valley. Somebody, somebody I'm preaching to today. Our problem, our problem lies in the fact that we too often can't see what God is doing in our situation through our natural eyes, and, and we struggle with that, and so our problems begin to dominate us. But it's only when we do something that when we do what David did, and that is we get our, we get our temporal, our carnal eyes for a moment, uh, we, we, we tune into something else, we see something else, and we begin to look at things through the eyes of the Spirit. We begin to see our dilemma, our problem, our situation, our addiction. I mean, what, whatever it may be through the eyes of the Spirit. 
I want to I want to reference a, a an incredible story. If you haven't heard it, this is just an incredible. It's in Second Second Kings, and Elisha is in a city called Dothan, and the Syrian king is is after him to hunt him down and kill him, and so it's a it's a fearful time. Uh, if you're if you're if you're one of Elisha's buddies and you're hanging out with Elisha, Elisha, it's a pretty tough moment, and so. They get to a point, and they, they, the servant and, and Elisha, uh, they go, they, 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 they get in their tents, and, and it's nighttime, and they begin to rest. And during the night, the Syrian armies gather around the tent, up on the, up on the hills, all around where Elisha and his servant are and they the next morning the, the the Elisha's young servant comes out of the tent and when he steps out onto the porch and begins to look around, maybe he's got a cup of joe and and and, and he about drops his coffee. Because during the night the enemy has immobilized itself. The enemy has become ready to take over Elisha and destroy him. The servant is out there and he begins to look around and he, and he you know, he does a, a 360. And we get this in the Word of God that he begins to look all around him and he sees everywhere he looks, he sees the enemy and they're angry and they're frustrated and they're mad and they're ready to take them over and back. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 15 says it. It says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host encompassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So, so you gotta, you got to get, please get a picture. Let your imagination go with me. He's stepping out, and they don't even know anything's coming. Then he steps out, and, and all of a sudden, he looks out, and on, on the hills all around him, there's, there's not just people standing there with armor and swords, and there's horses like, that's my version of a really bad horse, sick horse. And there's chariots, like these huge wheels, and and if you can get, the, and and they're moving, and I mean, it, all this is going on. My, my horse is getting better, and and all of this is going on. Now, now that you've got a picture of that, flap open the tent of your life and check that out. I almost fell off of there. That's the first time I've done that here. But but. See what's going on and open the tent of, of your life. Because that's the way the enemy always works. He always wants to come in in the dark. He wants to slip in when you're not ready, when, when you're not prepared. See, on Sundays when you leave here, you're like, come on, I'll take hell with a water pistol. But on Monday, but on Monday, you're not... You're not at the point of faith that you were on Sunday maybe and, and you feel that. And sometimes it happens exactly like that. On the high of, of the moment when, when, when you're in this high, it's, it seems like, the, it's, it's like right behind that, it seems like there's a, that's something that hits you and, and all of a sudden you say, man, I'm up against it and all, all of hell has come against me and it's surrounding me on every side. Has anybody been there? I mean, ever I don't have an outlet there, and don't have a, and Wilberforce is not around, and Braveheart, and and that's where his gaze stopped. 
he stopped on the dilemma. And his servant was looking down on the problem. And he couldn't see a way out. And he couldn't see how God could possibly be there to deliver. Did he not understand that he is there with probably the most powerful prophet of the ages, Elisha, the miracle working, this great man of God. But in that moment, you lose. Your senses are the only thing that you're dealing with. Your faith doesn't seem like, it's, it's, it seems like it's left you. It seems like you're Boom, your face with fear. But then Elisha stepped out on the porch. And when Elisha steps out, he's got a cup of cappuccino, the Bible says. I just wanted to see if he was listening. And he looked at the enemy. He looked at the enemy. But then he raised, he did something unique. He raised his eyes a little higher. And we see in verse 16, the next verse, he says this, fear not. Turn around to somebody near you and just say, fear not. Fear not. And this is, this, this is why you should fear not. This is why you should fear not. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Mm, I just felt chills when we said that. There's more with us than there be with them. Now, now the servant is in a sense dilemma. Because he's hearing the word of God, he's hearing the promise of God, but he hasn't gotten revelation of what Elisha is seeing in his faith. And there is a struggle in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And the Bible says, Elisha prayed for his servant that he would be able to see through faith. Listen to this. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now, you've got to understand what he's seeing. He just saw his dilemma surrounding him, but now through a revelation of what he sees now and an opening up to a higher sense, the eyes of the Spirit, he sees behind them horses and chariots, but they're on fire with the fire and the power of the Almighty God. Can I tell you what's behind you is your designated designated deliverer and he is greater than the dilemma that you're facing he's come on I'm preaching my head off but I need you to open your eyes up a little higher and then open it wider and see that it's not in what you can see but it's in what the spirit wants to show you God wants to let you know that there is hope on the other side of your dilemma he's got this for you somebody give the Lord a shout of praise If you stop looking when your eyes rest on the enemy, you'll always miss the fact that God is fighting, always fighting for you. Always fighting for you. And if you will raise your gaze, if you will lift your eyes, you will see that God is still in control. He's always been in control. And if you'll raise your gaze, you'll see that he's working in a realm of faith beyond human view. Stay in. Stay in. Don't let the enemy destroy your faith. I was uh, looking in the Word of God, and we see this incredible story that bounces out of the Word of God about Simon Peter. It's the disciples, and they're all in a boat. And, and, and they're in this boat, and you know the story, and so I'll hit it quick. 
But the great storm arises and there's this image coming towards them and they say, they say it's a spirit coming to us and they're not thinking the spirit of the Lord. Because they think they're about to die for one and the, and the storm and then here comes this spirit seemingly walking towards them. But Simon Peter, out of all the twelve, recognizes something that they don't recognize. They're working through the five senses. He works and sees something that they don't see. And it causes him to do something that the other 11 don't. And with his eyes of faith, he said, that's not a spirit, that's Jesus. That's our designated deliverer. And he starts climbing out of the boat. Folks, I don't do that on a calm day. But it's going crazy out here and And he steps out of the boat, and would you know, he is walking on water. This is like an incredible moment in history. And he's stepping out, and he's making history by walking on water, seeing his designated deliverer and his eyes, seeing something the rest of the boat does not see. But, oh, I'm so glad, Bill, that this took place, what I'm about to tell you. Because that part of the story is amazing, but this part is so human, I'm about to tell you. And it's so us. And that he gets in the middle of the storm and he's cruising and he's having a Sunday and the Lord showed up and the pastor's preaching and I feel the Lord in the house. I got a designated deliverer. Somebody, somebody tell me about it. Step. Step, eyes, back to his senses. Eyes back to what's around him, the waves, struggle. Can you imagine? What am I doing? Uh, You're feeling it right there, huh? What am I doing? You've been there before, charged out in faith and then got out standing on your faith and then you go, well, God, did, 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 did I miss it? Because I just got a fear jumped upon me. And the Bible says when he looked at the waves, when he focused on the dilemma and got back into his five senses and quit seeing in the spirit, something began to happen. He lost sight of the designated deliverer. And he began to sink like a rock and crying out for Jesus. And he stretched his hands where? Now this is the unique thing that a lot of people don't do. They'll charge out in faith and then when they come up against their dilemma again... They'll stay anchored in their dilemma, anchored in their fear. I'm calling you out to go back to what got you to where you're at. I'm calling you to go back to looking at Jesus because he's the one that built you and established your faith in the first place and go back to that and stand back in that and look back to Christ. Don't, don't, don't be running back to your old addictions. Don't be running back to your old problems and back to my old dilemma. Hey, I'll tell you this. No, no, no. I want you to refocus back on Jesus. He's gotten you out to where you're at. Now, come on, come on. Move in faith and look back at him. And the Bible says he got back up on the water and began to walk on the water again. Is that not incredible? Because the designated deliverer he anchored his faith back into the designated deliverer and it didn't matter how boisterous the winds were he walked and touched the king of kings and the lord of lords but if his gaze would have stopped he would have stayed in the dilemma 
he would have not gotten to the place. And Paul said it's so beautiful in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Say it the whole scripture with me. You ready? For we walk by faith and not by sight. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. Don't, doesn't it seem like logical to me and you to, to, to think that with what we feel in this place today, through the singing and the worship, I mean, nobody's beating you up, nobody. You would think that we would have had to put a cap on the door that says we come out with no more than this amount of people are let in today. No, I'm just being honest with you. Like all weekend, you've been up against hell. And you come in this morning, and it's like a little piece of heaven. You would think everybody would want to do this. Can I get a witness? Why don't they? They hate taking faith steps. They hate it. We don't want to walk by faith. We want to walk by sight. And so they'll walk by sight and drown in it rather than living by faith and seeing the designated deliverer. It doesn't make sense to us because we're looking through the eyes of the Spirit. But I'm here today to tell you if that's where you're at, we're not speaking condescending to you. We're telling you to lift up your gaze for your deliverer draweth nigh. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Stop looking down. Start looking up. The problem solver is walking in your life. He knows where you're at. He is the deliverer. He's the deliverer. Financial problems. Health problems, spiritual problems, marital problems. All of us have had some of these issues or maybe all of these issues at time. And to us, these problems seem like giants into our lives that have, sit, that have just stand, caused us to stand there in fear and worry and doubt. I'm not minimizing your problems today, but I know who is behind the issue, the problems that can give you strength, that can give you help, and I am looking for the hand of the deliverer in our lives. When I preach like this, when I preach like this, the first thing that we tend to think is what's out there on the outside and, and there's maybe it's a boss or and, and maybe it's you know a family situation whatever something that you can point somewhere else and say yeah that 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 that's the dilemma that's for, and, and it very well you could be nailing it you could be right and that may be where you're at today but also also I want to touch on this and kind of unpack this and make this really real that sometimes it's things that are inside of us. It's inside of us. Let me, let me give an example. I, I, was, I read last night a, a message by one of the famous ministers of old, and his name was Dwight L. Moody. And maybe you remember studying him when he was younger or whatever, but Dwight L. Moody was this famous minister of old and pioneer and and I read and all of his message, I, I don't remember that much about it, but I remember this story that he told that was so powerful. And I, when I read it, I came in and Dina already had her eyes closed. And I said, Dina, Dina, I got to tell you a story. Or, or she came in where I was studying. I can't remember what the deal was. But we, I told her, told her the story. And I said, this is so powerful. It goes along with this message today. And it's the, to me, it helps unpack what I'm saying. It really makes it see it, what I'm talking about, from a little different vantage point. He said this, 
He said there was this lady, and she was a wealthy lady that had servants. And this lady had such a bad temper. I mean, she was, her temper was just wicked. It was just scalding. It was mean. It was, and because of it, she couldn't keep any servants. They would constantly want to leave. They were in such fear of her and her, her temper that would rage. And so she did everything she could think of to try to help. She, she, she did everything she could to try to conquer this temper. She hated that about herself. And one day, a Christian lady came up to her and knew that she was struggling with, and it was voiced to her. And the Christian lady said to her, she said this. This is incredible. She says, why not let Jesus keep that temper for you? Why don't you... Why don't you let Jesus keep and hold that temper for you? She said, well, I'll be honest with you, I've never, never thought of it that way. She said, if you will commit your temper to Jesus, he'll keep it for you because that's what he came for. Why do I say it? Why do I use that? Because he's the designated deliverer. See, that's stuff up inside of us. And so the lady did it. And she began to, they could see a change in her and the servants started coming back around and the servant, the story goes, had a piece of her fine china and on accident dropped a piece of the china. And when it did, it shattered. When she did, it just went everywhere and, and, and she stopped, she froze because she knew the wrath of this woman. And the woman saw what happened is she ran into her bedroom and she told the Lord, Lord, I give you my anger right now. I hand my temper over to you. I need you to keep it. She walked back out and dealt kindly with the situation. And so the story goes, the rest of this lady's life, she had life change in that area. She trusted God enough with her temper that he delivered her from the issue she was facing. Now see, you didn't expect me to go there. It's funner to talk about all those things out there, the bad boss and the, this and that. But, but that, I'm not just saying he's a deliverer to help you on some of those things, but he's also a deliverer to help you on the things you're dealing with on the inside. So, some, some of you, some of us never can get past a certain point of our life because every time we get there, we run face to face with temptation. And the same temptation that's been rocking our boat for 20 years pulls us right back into the same mess. In fact, they asked Jesus one time, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, I want you to pray like this. In this prayer that I want you to pray, I want you to say, Lord, deliver us from evil. You need a deliverer. 
And there's a designated deliverer that I want you to just to pray for. And I'm going to show up to help you in the middle of your temptation, in the middle of your struggle, and in the middle of your desire for evil, in the middle of your temper issue, in the middle of your selfishness, in the middle of your, of your brokenness, in the middle of all of these things going on, even on the inside of you in the turmoil and the, the storm that's raging. I'm going to tell you that even on the inside of you, of your mind and your heart and your spirit, and your physical and your mental and your emotional. I gotta recommend something to you that 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 Dwight Moody talked about, and that is this: somebody needs to walk into the presence of the Lord and say, "Lord, I can't handle this. I'm gonna give this to you. I'm gonna hand this over to you. You handle this." And I got good news for you. If he did it for David, and if he did it for Simon Peter, and did it for every story throughout the Word of God, I got news for you. He's trying to tell you something from the pages of God's written Word, and that is this. The deliverer draweth nigh, and he will be there when you need him to be there. He will bring hope and strength and peace and help in your life. And so, we come here today. Where you at, man? Where you at, woman? Where you at? What's going on in your spirit today? Are you looking through your eyes? Or are you looking through the eyes of the spirit? Would you stand with me today? I'm asking the singers as they come up here and the worship leaders. You've seen them do this a thousand times. They step on this stage and they get ready to sing. But are you seeing what's in the room? No, I don't mean them and I don't mean me. Since Spirit of the Lord in this place right now. I feel him. I know he's here. I know he's here. Do you feel him? He's amongst us. He's here. He's not to scare you. Sometimes when we have new people that step in the presence of a spirit-filled church, they're kind of like the 12 disciples on the boat, and what they see coming they think is a spirit, but they don't know what kind of spirit it is. But I'm going to tell you what you feel in this place right now as none other than the spirit of the the most holy God. And if he's big enough to form the valley with his finger and speak a word and galaxies come into existence I know he's powerful enough right now to speak into your life and I just preached to you I just preached to you what I was given to preach to you today but I'm preaching you for you to lift your eyes to the heels when it's coming without help without help coming from the Lord 
I've slowed down my preaching here for a minute, but I, I need you to move your gaze. How many of you right now, you're up against some kind of dilemma, something in your mind, heart, soul, body, spirit, whatever it is. The Lord's fixing to do something in your life. He's fixing to do something. Refocus. Refocus. Hey, refocus. What is in front of you will not define you. What is in front of you is only a test. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost for you to look at something higher that's rising up. And it's the deliverer who draweth nigh. Don't get focused on the problem. Look at the problem solver. He is great. He is mighty. And there is none like him. None like him. Nobody like Jesus. I want to ask you right now, if you're comfortable and familiar with this, and I want you to step out and come around this front as quick as you can. I, I want you just to come. And I want to, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something before we begin to pray today. God's got one more thing I want to give you that I believe is going to speak into your life today. As you come, I want to begin to tell this story. I was last night in my office and studying at home and my wife walked in and she had a video going from Facebook or something. It's one of our friends and it's one of our friends that Ian and I have been praying for. His name is Greg Albritton. And Greg is a phenomenal guy. I've been knowing him most of my life. He, my grandfather lived in Baton Rouge and we'd go up there to visit. And Greg was always so kind to me, come pick me up and, and uh, just just wonderful guy. But I, I will say this about Greg. Greg was, a, Greg was just an adrenaline junkie. I mean, he just, if it could be done, you know, they had, I remember them having a pool. Everybody else made one flip, not Greg. He's going to make, you know, a gazillion flips in the air. I mean, he was just strong, athletic, tough. And um, one of the first times that Dean and I, we hadn't been married too, too long, and, and uh, we, we got a report that uh, he, Greg is a minister now, and Greg was preaching in Texas. And, and he's, again, he's an adrenaline junkie. He's kind of a wild dude and fun dude. And he was out water skiing barefooted. Barefoot water skiing. I mean, he's just that kind of dude. And what he did is he, he, he went around on his back and was, was sliding on the back, and he hit a wave, and it broke. His, it snapped his neck. They didn't think he was going to make it. Obviously, they drug him out of the boat, or dragged him out of the water onto the boat very carefully, got back to shore. So when Dan and I came in, and we, we uh, went to see him in this Texas hospital, and I mean, he looked bad. I mean, look, in fact, I got to tell this story on Adina. This is kind of funny. We went there to minister to him, to love him, encourage him. Now, Adina and I both love Greg a lot. And when we, walked, when we walked in, Adina saw him, and she started sliding down the wall. She had passed out seeing him. The doc, nurses had to come in, take care of Adina. And Greg is in there, and he's got a halo, and he's going, I think she's going down. They're going down. 
Well, he was supposed to have all these surgeries, and was, I mean, it was a really, really bad situation. Well, the Lord, I'm just telling you, miraculously took care of him. He avoided so much that he, the doctor said he was going to, have to go through, and and uh, just just miraculous story. Well, he's had those kind of things. I, I, I remember just as a young man, I remember I was in Baton Rouge, happened to be in Baton Rouge, and I was with Greg the night before, and the next day his dad died. His dad died on playing softball, had a heart attack. Greg's mom had horrible back issues and was put in a nursing home and just a couple, few months ago passed away. Greg's just been through some tough things. And he's had other things that I don't have time to tell you, but just some tough moments and tough struggles. And God's always come through and been there for him. But this past summer, something unique happened to Greg. He's out. He lives in Louisiana, and they have, they have those... Um, kind of like here they have those mosquitoes that look like airplanes and one bit him one bit him just out working didn't think anything about it he slapped it next started feeling a little bad but next morning next morning he had 106 fever and he didn't even, he didn't even know he was in the world he was so miserably sick his wife and child they got him out drug him to the hospital for the next like two weeks or so, he's fighting for his life. He had West Nile virus. Only 1%, it affects like it did Greg, but it, 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 it bit him hard, man. And me, Dean and I heard about this, and we started praying, and people across the nation started praying, and I'm, I'm on a Facebook page to pray for Greg and fasting, and everybody's... And in, in, that, in that 14, I mean, in that uh, two-week time, he went through, through some tough moments. He... He said, there's times I didn't even know I was, I was in the world. And, and uh, he began, began to, to make it through. And, and uh, then, then he got, uh, I hope I'm getting all the story and the timeline right. If not, if, if, if Greg's listening to this, maybe he can come preach here for us one day and get it all straightened out. But, I, but I'm at least going to give you all the facts. I just don't, my timeline may be a little messed up. But after that he started getting a little bit better he started coming out from under it and he came to church for the first time on a Sunday and they rolled him in a wheelchair and he had no strength in his body and there was something good and said in the service and he wanted to get out of his wheelchair and he noticed his legs didn't work and I mean like didn't work and he'd been doing he was on the rebound but it just didn't work and he went to lift his hand and it didn't work <laughs> so he thought man that's weird so he got out well the next day he's back in the hospital because he was getting over West Nile virus, but his body was so down, another disease hit him. And I can't call the name of the disease. It's a real crazy name, but another disease hit him. That's exactly right. It's that disease. And it, it, it hit him, and it so happened that when it hit him, what it does, it paralyzes your legs. Paralyzes. You, just, you, can, you can lose your life. It's, it's a tough deal. And he was sicker than he, he'd ever been. And here he thought he was coming out. Went back in the hospital. Sick, sick, sick man. And it got to the point he got so sick that he started kind of trying to plan his funeral and stuff like that. And then, then would you know that somewhere in that, God began to speak to him in a dark, dark moment. It was one of his darkest moments. He said, I, the Lord spoke to me through the tunnel of what I was going through and told me, if you'll just hang on 14 days. Everything's going to be all right. 14 days. He said, I didn't even want to tell, didn't want to tell my wife this because she thought, oh, God, it's going to get worse. He said, I didn't want to tell anybody this, but I knew what the Lord spoke to me. And so the next day, he said 13 days. And 13th day was bad. And 
12th day was, was worse and it was just getting worse. And he said, man, if I could keep holding on. And he's counting backwards. And in the meantime, somewhere in there, they came in and said, sir, Greg, you've got a blood clot in your lungs and I'm telling you, it doesn't look good at all. He literally had to sit with his wife and plan out his funeral, talk about where his life insurance, he really didn't think he was going to make it. But he thought, six, five. And he said, in the middle of all of this, I still had faith because I knew what the Lord had given me. But I got to tell you, on the water, it was scary. Five, four, three, two. He started to reprove so much that on the countdown, when he got to one, the doctor came in and said, Greg, I tell you, if it's up to me, he said, I'll let you go home, back to rehab tomorrow and start getting better. And it did happen the next day. He was released from the hospital, thank the Lord, and back to rehab exactly in 14 days. I'm telling you this because Wednesday night he was preaching in a pulpit with a very small limp but he's preaching in a pulpit telling this story. But I told you all of that to tell you that when he spoke this next thing, I felt like this is what, I've got to tell this story because it so fits this message. God wants to tell this to somebody today. He said, in the middle of my struggle, he said, I don't remember what day it was, but in the middle of my struggle, something came to me and spoke to me. told me this, cool that there's an expiration date on your dilemma. Somebody needed that. God has an expiration date on your dilemma. And you may not be like Greg and not you may not know the date. God may not give you a 14. But I want to tell you this, your deliverer knows exactly where you're at. Your deliverer has not forgotten you. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost. Your deliverer is on a countdown. He knows what the days are. And though your five senses may not know the days and you don't know the hour and you don't know the str- you don't know what you're up against, I got news for you. God knows the day. He knows the hour. He knows exactly where you're at and your deliverer draweth nigh because he is your designated deliverer. Would you throw your hands up and begin to talk to the Lord right now?